It's your favorite sports show, the Sports Counterpoints Podcast. GB, your host, got Brian and Coop on the lines. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Thank you very much. We're back to it. It is January 14th, 2020. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about last week's um, NFL playoff games. We'll talk about the AFC and NFC championships this weekend, as well as a little bit about the college uh, national championship for football. So um, let's get into last week. I mean, you guys' teams played, man. Just might as well start there. But uh, give give me some thoughts, man. What happened? Why we got to start there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might as well. We talk about positives. You know, get it out the way. You feel me? Oh, man. Hey, you were, you were in the playoffs. You, I don't even have anything positive. My team ain't been in the playoffs yeah, since I was a I'll kid. Start, I'll, I'll start. start. Yeah, because give you the opportunity to to thumb your nose at me without me having a response. Uh, but no. anyways, look, no. look. Uh-huh. I, obviously, everyone knows I picked the Vikings. I picked the Vikings because they're my team. Um, I, you know, I sat there very calmly. So some of the people who were in the room with me while I was watching the game even remarked about how how calm I was, given you know the obvious lacking that we were taking from the beginning to the end. Um, and I said that's because we were on borrowed time. Um, I was really happy with with how they played last week, um, but how they played this week was just abysmal. Um, from the moment they started that game, they had a game plan that was fit to lose. Um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have been the best screenplay team in NFL this whole entire season, averaging more yards per attempt and using it more often than almost any other team in the league. And it's perfect way to stop people from bringing a strong pass rush or a bull rush and getting sacks. And that's what the San Francisco defense was doing. And yet the only two pa- um, uh, screenplays that they ran uh, the entire game were already at the end of the game when things were well out of control and nothing was happening. Add to that, the, the, the Vikings have been one of the most balanced teams in the NFL and have always established a strong running game. And yet they only had nine rushing attempts during that game um, with only seven coming from uh, Cook. And I think three of those were also in the second half once the game was out of control. So there was just nothing about their offensive game plan that was fit to win. I'm not going to pick on our defense, the the Viking defense. I thought that they actually played well. You know, when you give up turnovers, you leave the the other team's offense on the field uh, too long. That's what makes, you know, difficult for a defense uh, two of the touchdowns that San Francisco scored were on short fields off of turnovers and 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 other uh, mis, mishap plays. Um, and and ultimately, the Vikings did everything they possibly could to lose that game. So there's no surprise there. Um, you know, I, on the San Francisco side, they, they played a very solid football game. The, the defense came uh, prepared to shut down the run. They clearly knew what what to do to mess with uh, Kirk Cousins, which we talked about, given that Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator um, for uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty clear that he knew that the book was uh, pressure him, you know, get in the backfield, hit him, uh, and, and put pressure, pressure on him so he starts making mistakes, which Cousins did. Cousins didn't play awful. I think that the, the, the offensive play calling put him in a bad place, but he didn't play well. And, and ultimately, you know, the book on him is going to stay the same. He, he doesn't play well in, in pressure situations and in big games because he didn't play well in a, or outstanding um, in, a, in a pressure game in a, in a big situation. Um, but I, I think it's really, really unfortunate that Dalvin Cook 
um, just wasn't even given an opportunity to build some momentum. Uh, Alexander Madison, who was a very good running back in his own, wasn't given an opportunity to even touch the ball. He only had two carries. Um, you know, I, throughout the week, there were some injuries to Thielen and Diggs. I don't know if that was the case and or something impacting to them, but I do know that if they're going to go with a pass-heavy offense, you don't do it when both of your your wide receivers have been um, injured all week. So, like I said, it was it was nothing out of the unexpected, nothing unexpected um, from the beginning to the end. They didn't give themselves a chance, and ultimately, uh, the better team won. Um, yet, one thing I will say, and I'm sure Jason will cover this. Because uh, he's been he's been adamant to to let people know um, this really does uh, show that the 49ers are for real. And that's not to say that the the Vikings beating the Vikings is the, the litmus test for a good team, um, but it does show that in a big game in a big situation um, against you know a relatively decent opponent uh, that they can step up and play play solid football. And, uh, and 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 do what they did win and give themselves a, a chance for the NFC Championship this week. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Cope, you got yourself muted, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said last week, um, I thought Minnesota having after that emotional victory in New Orleans. I mean, it was just going to be hard for the coach to say, "Okay, let's go out to San Francisco and just do it again." I would think a lot of things would have to go right there that uh, during the game as far as, you know, turnovers and things like that and plays working throughout the game for them to have a chance to win. Because I think it's just asking a lot out of one team to go to New Orleans and, you know, shut down Drew Brees like that, then go to San Francisco and, you know, try to win another game. Uh, I, I thought the the 49ers game plan, it was actually exactly what I said, stop Dalvin Cook and make uh, Kirk Cousins uh, beat us. Uh, Dalvin Cook, as you mentioned, only had nine carries for 18 yards. Madison only had one carry. Uh, but Dalvin Cook had six yards. I mean, had six catches for only eight yards, which was um, which was pretty surprising. And also, like you said, I think that the Minnesota came out kind of conservative, if you ask me. I thought that was a very conservative game plan that kind of plays into the 49ers' hands. And the 49ers sort of took advantage of it. But uh, I know people are talking about Minnesota only had seven first downs and this, this and that, and trying to make them, make them seem like they're not a good team. But Minnesota Vikings are a very, very good team. Um, they're the best in the league at defending the tight ends. George Kittle didn't didn't do much uh, this game as well. But also, I, I saw two statistics. Uh, yeah, I saw two statistics late Friday night uh, before the game on Saturday because I was kind of unsure about not who would win, but I thought it'll be a much, a much closer game until I saw these two statistics. The first statistic was. Kirk Cousins in 1 p.m. Eastern time start games, which is 10 a.m. Pacific, covers the spread 66% of the time. And when the games do not start at 1 p.m. Eastern, he only covers the spread 33%, and the stats weren't good. And the other stat that just blew my mind was the 49ers run 21 personnel more than any team in the league, which is two running backs and one tight end. The worst team in the league defending that formation is the Minnesota Vikings. They give up 6.4 yards of carry in that formation. That blew my mind because Minnesota is a very good team to me, and I didn't know they gave up six yards a carry when there's two running backs and a tight end on the field and the other team runs the ball. So when Shanahan kept running and running and running, that didn't surprise me at all because he must have knew that if I knew that. And, it, you know, I think they ran the ball a good 40-something times, and everybody touched the ball who was a running back that game and ended up working out for the 49ers. But it was a good win. I don't think anything less of the Minnesota Vikings. I think with a roster that good, and if they all come back, they're going to be a formidable opponent. 
Uh, it was a good win for the 49ers, and, you know, they were off a bye week. And, you know, it's a lot of people first playoff game. Uh, and, you know, uh, everybody didn't play great. Well, like they were playing against a very good team, so I didn't expect huge numbers uh, to be put up by the 49ers. I expected a grind-out victory, and then that's what they got. So they just earned the right to play again uh, next week against Green Bay. Yeah, just like Sherm said, it was a uh, it was interesting, man. I was uh, I was watching with shout out to Anjil, but I I didn't know uh, like when it started out, it was tight, and I was thinking, okay, this might be you know this might be what I think it is, and then the top just got blown off. So, I mean, kind of is yeah, what it is, pow- man. Yeah, the power running game is, is as Jason pointed out was just awesome. I mean, when you think about a winning team. You don't think that their quarterback is going to be 11 for 19 for 131 yards, one touchdown and one interception and think that they're going to win by 17 points in convincing fashion and never really have much pressure put on them. But that's exactly what kind of happened. Um, you know, when you look at the quarterback comparison, uh, Kirk Cousins had 21, it was 28 of 172 yards, one touchdown and also one interception. And and neither of those stat lines are, are, are really all that impressive, impressive. Um which gives credit to exactly what Jason was saying with, with Shanahan using the power running game. Um, I was aware that the Vikings um, had some issues with power running games, uh, but most teams tend to go and look at their stats against uh, big plays on against wide receivers. Their, their, their corners are easily burned, especially with two of them um, on the IR. But, but uh, San Francisco took the other out, looked good doing it, and congratulations to them. Yeah, man, it was, um, you know, kind of, I guess, like, like you guys said, kind of what ended up how we thought to a degree, but, um, you know, good season for the Vikes, man, plenty to build on, um, no moral victories in this situation. So I get it, but hopefully they, they come back bigger and better next year. So that's what it is. So Niners Vikes, and then you had on the other side of the NFC, the Seahawks and the Packers, any thoughts on that game? Yeah, man, I was just hoping Green Bay won. I'm just not going to lie to you. I just don't like playing Russell Wilson. Uh, Green Bay ended up holding on to win, barely. Um, I truly believe if Seattle didn't have all those injuries at running back and on the line, offensive line, I, I would. I thought that they would have won that game. Um, Green Bay barely held on gift for them. I think they built up a 21-3 lead. Uh, Devontae Adams had, uh, had one hell of a game. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers threw a couple of good passes. Uh, you know, the pressure was on Green Bay. They came out in the first half. They came out storming. But it seems like Seattle and it seems like Russell Wilson just never gets blown out. So, you know, a comeback was coming and, uh, you know, they made their second half uh, charge. But um, in the end, uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, you know, made a couple of plays uh, in the fourth quarter, ended up winning. This game wasn't really uh, exciting. It was just, you know, pretty much just a football game. And, um, you know, it didn't really get exciting until, you know, later in the game when Seattle charged, you know, started to come back. Uh, but, um, you know. That that uh, Green Bay should have won the game. They did win the game. I think the big test for Green Bay will be can they go on the road to San Francisco and win? Because the last uh, the last five times Aaron Rodgers has played a team in the playoffs that he lost to in the regular season, he lost to them again in the, in the playoffs. So that's going to be the big test for them uh, next week. But good win, and I'm happy they took out Seattle. He doesn't have to worry about going to San Francisco because y'all don't play there. Oh yeah, you're right. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little, little um, Bay Area humor, you feel me? Go ahead, B. Yeah, and so uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, Jason. Uh, watching that game, the, 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 th- the takeaway obviously was, um, you know, did Seattle or uh, deserve a chance? Was that really a first down? 
Um, you know, watching uh, Pete Carroll when the decision he had to make the decision on whether to punt or go for it, he was very resolute in his decision. He was very calm about it, emphatic, and made you know made a decision that he was very comfortable with. And whether or not you you know think he got the first down, it was a matter of inches between that being a good decision and not a great decision, uh, not so great decision. It didn't work out for him. Um, I'll say this: Russell Wilson was the best football player on the field. In that game, um, he, Agreed. Agreed. he he just he, he just does a lot of things. That team is really, really beat up. Seattle is a very good football team, but they've suffered so many injuries. And you would expect a team with that many injuries to succumb to a, a number two seed playing at home in, in adverse situations and, and get blown out or or not play uh, the game as closely um, as it was, I mean, it was a seven and a half point spread, right? And and ultimately, um, they won by sorry four and a half point spread, and they ultimately won by five. But um, you know, the the what the Seattle did there gave a lot of respect, and uh, it, it's obviously fun to watch uh, Marshawn Lynch uh, one last time, maybe. Um, but uh, and and what, see how hard he runs, and and with the heart that he runs. Um, ultimately, he wasn't. Um, you know, a big factor in the middle of the field, but a, a big factor in the uh, red zone. Um, so what I'll say is, I, I, it's not that Seattle got jobs, because even if they did get the ball back, Russell Wilson still has to do a miracle in order for them to to um, score a touchdown and, and win that game. Uh, but I will say that uh, Green Bay did enough to win, um, won a game that ultimately... They played well enough to win, um, and and good luck to them uh, this week up in uh, Santa Clara. Um, but there's, it'll, it's going to be an interesting game this week. I, I know we're going to talk about that part in the, in a moment. It's going to be an interesting game this week, uh, and there are some things that I think San Francisco saw from that game that Seattle did that they can do very well on their own. So. I would expect that San Francisco is going to run a very similar game plan um, and probably execute it a little bit healthier than uh, Seattle was able to. I think the um, the on field um, first down marker, like the little yellow line, is a great addition to the game because it gives you a visual representation when you're watching the game where first down is. But it's not one thing to remember is it's not 100 percent accurate in looking at uh, Devontae Adams yeah. posted something and he was saying where the yellow line was versus if you look at the yellow line versus where the actual marker was, it yeah, was, he it was short. Off. So it was yeah, like, yeah. it was a valid play. Devontae so. Adams, but Devontae Adams posted that. And then about every news channel came back and, and, and said, yeah, nice thinking. And then did a whole bunch of analytics that show that it, while that was, that line was, was off. If you look at it, it's, it's still mm-hmm. very close. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, and, and this is not going to be something where, you know, like New Orleans, who's just had some awful luck with with calls. No one's going to go and say that Seattle got jobbed the way that those guys did. Um, but uh, it was, you know, Devontae Adams wanted to make it a no a no a no doubt call. It wasn't. There was no way that that was the case. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, it was, it was a, close. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. He yeah. was short, but well. Um, well, I agree with I, saw, I, I thought he was short as well, but it, it was, was close. close. But yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's when you leave it close. It's it's referee call. Pops, yeah, see, uh, my dad had see, a good idea. I about, thought it was close. 
Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, I'm just saying Pops has always said they should just put GPS markers in the footballs. Uh, so NFL, <laughs> there's some free game. But go ahead, Coop. No, no. I was going to say, I thought he got the first down when I looked at that orange little sticker thing on the side. I didn't think he got the first down by looking at the, yeah, the yellow line. So I think that yellow line was doing a disservice for the whole thing. I think if they had used where that orange sticker thing was at, because yeah. the way I saw it, the orange sticker was there and the yellow line was a little bit behind it. So yeah. I don't believe the yellow line. referees that's what I get the yellow line, though. No, they don't. We get the yellow line. Yeah, we get the yeah. line. So, yeah, it's not on the you know, that's a whole bunch for us, for for the uh, the couch quarterbacks and yeah. uh, all that stuff. But, but, you know, the rest looked at it. Obviously, it was it was close and they let it stand. Yeah. Um, but uh, it looked short to me. Right. How the game goes. Right, yeah. right. Got you. So your next game, um, let's go with the upset, the Ravens and the Titans. Maybe it's not upset, but um, what, do you, what do you guys think, man? Man, I, I can I can start with this one. Um, so I said in the midseason that the Baltimore Ravens uh, offense is not a dynamic offense. It's not a 30 or 40 point a game offense. It's, it's an offense where they just have their big guys against your big guys and Lamar it just uh, outruns everybody. The problem with an offense like that and a Greg Roman offense, because I've seen it with Kaepernick and I saw it with Tyrod Taylor when he ran it with those guys. When that offense doesn't work and it requires a quarterback that's limited to pass, it's not conducive for a passing game. So which is hence the stat when the, when Lamar gets down by 10 points, he pretty much always loses and loses by more than 10 because that offense is not a comeback from behind and pass offense. It's a control of the clock. You know, you can be down by like seven or something or three or six. But once you get down by 10, that running the ball, once you get down by 10, pretty much running the ball has been ineffective because that's your offense in the first place. And when Tennessee got up 14, nothing, I said that the game is over. Baltimore is not coming back because I'm sure the Tennessee Titans are going to score again because obviously they figured out their defense if they scored 14 quick points against them. Um, when I watched Lamar drop back, you know, and try to be a pocket quarterback and try to go downfield and read progression or whatever and try to throw the ball. He just did not look comfortable. It, it, it looked like this is something that he's not used to doing and he's not used to doing with running that, you know, that specialized offense that they run. Um, this isn't to take anything away from Lamar Jackson or the season that he has. It's just that people need to understand when you're a mobile quarterback like he is and has world class, you know, running talent and speed, you know, there's limitations to that. And those limitations are there are sometimes in games where you're going to have to pass the ball to win the game. And he's not at that point in his career yet. Uh, anytime you got him throwing over 50 passes in a game, something is wrong. And you know that other team is going to win because he's not a drop back and throw the ball 50 plus time type of player yet. Uh, he may not ever be that type of player or he might grow into it. Who knows? But we know right now he's not that kind of player. Um, and also one thing I was I warned a lot of people about was that a lot of people have questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. They had, oh, man, it's his first playoff start and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what's he going to do? And is he going to have nervous and be jitters, blah, blah, blah. But it seemed like nobody had these same questions about Lamar Jackson, which is why I said I would never take Baltimore minus 10. Lamar Jackson was awful in his last playoff game last year against San, uh, against San Diego. I mean, you know, Chargers, I don't know if they're L.A. or not. Um, and he, I mean, you can look at stats. And I tell people, as I say, you can look at quarterback stats all day. I mean, if you look at his stats, you think he had a great game, but he did not play a great game. Uh, you have to actually look at him, look at, watch the actual games and watch what he was doing. He did not have a great game. Um, Lamar was in his second playoff game. He, he wasn't good. Uh, he wasn't good last year. Uh, he has to, you know, work on a little bit, probably try to get some receivers in there that want to play with him so they can actually run you know, some possession routes or whatever where in the situation where he has to pass, he can get the ball to those guys. 
but there's definitely limitations to his game. But the good thing I, about Lamar is you can tell he wants to get better, and I think that's something he knows he has to get better at, and I'm sure he'll come in uh, in the offseason, whatever, work work on whatever he has to work on and come back be probably even better uh, next year. So Lamar is not going away, but the limitations definitely showed. And uh, like I said in the last podcast, you can't run up the middle on Tennessee. They tried on fourth and inches and fourth and one and got stuffed. You cannot run up the middle on Tennessee. You can't get yards that way. You have to go outside. And I think the line, I think Mike Braverell and those linebackers had a really good game plan to, to contain him and uh, make him throw the ball to beat him. So congratulations to Tennessee. I don't think that uh, that upset really didn't shock me. I thought it would be a close game. Uh, then it looks like uh, Tennessee came out on top and it wasn't really all all that close. B? So Jason, did you watch uh, that full game? Not the full game. I watched most of it. So, because I was listening to you, and I have no idea what the hell you were talking about when it comes to that, Lamar Jackson's passing. I mean, really? the the guy throws for 365 yards. Yep. Um, his average per yards is 6.2 to Tannehill's 6.3. Um, you know, he got sacked a whole bunch of times, uh, and he also ran for 143 yards. And and yet, the entirety of what we just what what you were talking about is why Lamar Jackson was the problem, not that his line didn't show up or that, quite honestly, I think it's really more about the Tennessee defense, which did show up. Um, I agree with, with you, and we, we even agreed last week that that the way for Tennessee to possibly have a chance in this game was to keep it low scoring, be making a bruising game, um, do the exact same thing that they did to the Patriots with uh, Derrick Henry. And, and I think that you know, look, Baltimore lost, um, but I think the story here, um, which which you, you weren't talking about as much, is that Tennessee just played out of their mind well. Derrick Henry um, has might have just become the the hardest running back in the game to tackle um, and play against. He ran for 195 yards and 30 carries, six and a half yard carry. Uh, uh, right. He didn't get a touchdown because they were able to score in other ways. But what he did, um, oh, I'm sorry, he did get one touchdown. He threw one. Um, but what he did in that game was just outstanding. The Baltimore defense has been pretty solid all season long, and they got ran over. Um, I, I think that's the bigger bigger part of the story is the Baltimore defense, which was supposed to be tough and strong, um, just got smashed by Derrick Henry. Um, and then the uh, the Tennessee offense played a gritty, uh, grinded out game and uh, and ultimately did what it took to to win. And, and I think it's I think the story is should be more about the triumph of, of Tennessee than, you know, Tennessee, that Baltimore needs to go back and and reevaluate what they're doing a quarterback, given that Lamar Jackson provided was it um, uh Four, I'm trying to do the math. Uh, 498 yards of uh, of offense for for the team um, and couldn't get it done. I do agree with you though on the the. Uh, um, oh, sorry, yeah, it's even more than that. Uh, uh, 508 yards. Um, I do agree with you on the wide receivers. I mean, the, some of the the wide receivers that are are on Baltimore, they're very good. Um, but they don't have that one guy like Aaron Rodgers needed plays. He went to Devontae Adams. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has guys he can go to. Uh, Seattle has guys that he can go to. 
The Vikings certainly have people that they can go to. Uh, and I don't think that if there's anybody on the Baltimore team that anyone's going to say, like Malcolm Brown is very good. Uh, Willie Sneed is, is solid. He played well in, in Houston. Uh, sorry, uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, the, but, the, uh, but there's nobody on that team that anybody is, is threatened by. I think maybe finding one more playmaker uh, would be helpful for them. And I, I, anyways, but I, what we do agree on is, is congratulations to Tennessee. But I think the storyline is more about Tennessee's triumph, um, playing great, gritty football, um, and playing the kind of football that wins championships. We always talk about how it's defense and running that wins and grinding out when, when, uh, wins, wins championships. Well, they're doing that to the T. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do going forward. Yeah, I never said they had to reevaluate the quarterback position, but Lamar Jackson did not play well. Fumbled, two interceptions, 29 first downs, and only had 12 points. He did not play well. You can look at stats you, all you, day. You spent all that. No, I watched every single play of that game, and I also watched the, the line basically was a turnstile for, for people coming after him. Um, and, you know, you, know you, get you, get, you get that much yardage uh, when, when there's no blocking for you. Um, I don't know if it's, if, if it's his skill sets that you need to check. Maybe, maybe we could talk about the, the, the no. left and right tackles who – um, I'm, not like this, I'm not blaming this on Lamar Jackson the yeah. whole game. Hell no. I'm not blaming the game on him. But he has limitations to his game, and people refuse to seem to acknowledge that. There's limitations. That yeah. offense in the, yeah. it doesn't help that the offense is not built to come back from being down double digits. It's just not yeah. built that way no matter okay. how you see it. I disagree. Receivers, his receivers aren't possession receivers, and they don't run timing routes in that offense. They just don't. They don't Lamar's not that kind of quarterback, and they don't have those kind of receivers. So well, when I agree they get with you down, on they lose. But uh, I don't think it's a, a problem with the offense. I, I, in this instance, it was, um, like I said, a well-played game by Tennessee and a, an offensive line that decided to take a day off. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. When they were down 14 nothing, did you think Baltimore was going to come back and win? No. Oh, okay. But it had nothing right. to do with them. I, it had everything to do with my confidence that Tennessee had figured out a game plan to to get a make a difficult game and win it like like similar to what we were talking about with minnesota and in new orleans before that game right i said that the only chance that minnesota has well, they have a, and they have the ability to have an eye-powered offense but i said the only chance that they have is to make this a grinded out game make that a game that that was was low scoring and 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 pound the ball and not go for a whole bunch of points. It's, I actually said it'll be low scoring and that's how they won that game against a high-powered offense Tennessee did the exact same thing against Baltimore and, and was successful there. Can, can you figure out Tennessee? Because I can't. They've only passed no, 160 man. yards in two yeah. games. They, they came no. they passed. Tannehill's not passed for 100 yards in two straight playoff games. But and if he, you and took it. Nate, if was, you, go ahead. If you reverse the stats and I told you that their quarterback threw for 200 yards in two consecutive weeks and their running back threw for, ran for 100 yards, you'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's, that's okay because they're playing good defense. It's a. It is absolutely amazing to me to watch this team, um, which is clearly well coached by Mike Vrabel, um, and and they're just they they're putting their head down, and they're saying you know we're going to win this way, and once you stop Derrick Henry, we'll figure out what we have to do to adjust. But no one has been able to come close to stopping that guy. I mean, he looks like a Mack truck. I, I've actually seen linebackers try to chip tackle him. Yeah. Um, as opposed to full on tackle them because they do not want to be on that highlight. Yeah. 
Yeah. So no, I, I, I haven't, I haven't quite figured out, you know, what it is, but I, yeah. I'm watching it. I, I see it and I understand that it's, it's a pretty, uh, effective and, and great thing to do. I think that, yeah. I think, I honestly think, and we'll talk about this in a moment. I honestly think that if they can do it a third week, they might be playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, right, it <laughs> come three weeks right. from now. I'm right. interested to see if that, if you can maintain. I mean, I know Henry's been doing it, but it's it's going to be interesting to see if you can maintain that type of output and that many carries. I mean, dude is a beast. Yeah. I'm not going to say that, but he's carrying the ball a lot. And I, watching the Baltimore game, I I was saying to Julie a million times, like, why is he still in the game? Yeah. Why is he still in the game? Yeah. Why is he still in the game? Like it didn't make sense to me. Why? I mean, well, I get it. He's, you know, he, but I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't risk really going into what you're doing. At this point in time of the season, you know, he 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 might feel it, you know, later on. But right now, he's uh, he's running on the drill and 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 we'll, like I said, we'll talk about this in a moment. But they just got the Christmas matchup for them. They literally just got, they're they're about to go up against a team that. That is just not equipped for for Derrick Henry, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. They can light up the yeah, scoreboard. Yeah, he, he, he's had back to back to back thirty carry weeks. He's never he had a back to back weeks yeah. before this. He's never had it before. Not even at Alabama, he didn't have thirty back to back thirty. You know, carry. He did it three straight games. So I don't know. He's got to wear down sometime. I think, but who knows? It might not be next week. And maybe guess, it will be. You know, maybe it won't. They're we'll hoping see. if he wears down a month from now, they could have rings. But right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just interested yeah. to see because I don't know if um, I mean, if they did play the Niners, I don't know if that's going to play out. But all right. So the other game was the Chiefs and the Texans. And I was texting all this game was over early. I must have been. <laughs> I was wilding, um, forgetting yeah. about these Chief boys. And then um, a quick stat. Mahomes threw four touchdowns in the quarter, in the second quarter, I think it was. Um, only one quarterback has done that in the last five years. Mahomes him, has done right? it twice. And the yeah. other game he did it, I was there. Carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I figured this game would be a blowout, uh, but I didn't see it going like this. I didn't see the, I didn't see him spotting him 24 points before <laughs> yeah. going on a 51-7 to run. Um, if I, if I would have just saw just the final score and not seen anything that happened during the game, like, oh, just what I expected. But I was keeping track of this game and it's not what I expected. Um, you know, KC was dropping passes and getting punts blocked and blah, blah, blah. But even though it was 24 nothing at the beginning of the near the beginning of the second quarter, I said to everybody I was with this game isn't over. Uh, KC can still come back, and next thing you know, I look at the score and it's twenty-eight, twenty-four. I'm like, oh, now we got a game. And they just keep going up and up and up. So Houston was lucky to be in this be in this position. I just didn't think they had enough weapons uh, to uh, to get it done against KC. Uh, KC went on a fifty-one to seven run, pretty much proved that. Um, Houston's problem going to the future is they just announced today that they're not going to hire a general manager, so they still don't have a general manager. Uh, that's pretty bad for Deshaun Watson because he's going to need help, especially along the offensive line. And uh, he's not going to get that with the coach uh, being the general manager. So I kind of feel bad for him. But it was a good win for Casey, a wake-up call. I don't think they'll come out as flat against Tennessee next week. We'll talk about that later. But um, good win for Andy Reid. I know he's lost a lot of, you know, uh, playoff games after a bye. So uh, I think I feel he's a very good coach. So good for him. His team woke up. But I think it also helps to have Mahomes, too. He's just a special player. Uh, he looked. He was never rattled. Uh, he just, you know, went out there and just did his job. I think they scored touchdowns on six straight possessions, uh, which the team I think hasn't done since 2007. So, uh, good win for the Chiefs. Uh, little wake up call for them. I'm sure they won't be flat next week against Tennessee. What you think, Dewey? Yeah, a lot of the same. 
um, you know, all of those, the first 21 points, or, um, was, or sorry, 14 points was at a minute and 53 seconds. So they went a 14 nothing, you know, off of a couple of really big plays. And, and, and you know, congratulations uh, uh, to to Houston on that. And then I got, obviously, Glenn, you were talking about, I got the text message, oh, you know, this is the one that I picked and, and kind of counting them before they hatched type of situation. Uh, and I, I believe my response was, oh, this thing, you know, what Jason said, this game isn't over yet. It's early. Um, but I still didn't expect a 20 point victory. Uh, when we were talking about this last week, I think both Jason and I agreed that this would be the game that would more more than likely be a Casey win by a relatively big number. We thought that Deshaun Watson special and it might not be ugly, um, but uh, it even turned out to be quite honestly ugly. Uh, you know, towards the end of this game, I don't think anybody thought that that Houston was coming back. Um, whereas uh, Mahomes was was brilliant. What did seven straight scoring drives? Um, uh, you know, all the touch. You know, all the touchdowns one can take. He, he he looked calm. He looked collected. Uh, it was an exciting game to watch because of the the back and forth. You know, and even in the third and fourth quarters, when you were pretty sure that that Kansas city was going to win. You were still waiting for the big highlight play and, and, and that anticipation was still there. Um, Kansas city, you know, played a, a good football game once they got past the, the rust and, and, and Mahomes proved why he is a, a once in a, a lifetime or once in a generation type player uh, because there is, there isn't, a quarterback and Jason was just talking about Lamar Jackson and how he was not worried. You know, he was worried that he couldn't come back from 14, nothing. Um, there's not a quarterback who could eat as easily as Mahomes uh, comes back from 14, nothing come back from 14, nothing like Mahomes did uh, long way of saying he's awesome. He's great. And congratulations to them. Uh, so, you know, that's what happened. It was a, he came back from 24, bro. In, in Madden, you got to pass yeah. them sticks. Game's right. over <laughs> in the first quarter. Like that's what LeBron tweeted too, which is hilarious. Right. Like the game is over, bro. Like you out of here. And I thought I didn't yeah. think the Chiefs would would come back so quickly. I thought I thought they could come back, right? Because they're they're have the kind of offense that's it's built for the big play. It's built to score. Kelsey, um, Hill, like all their players are are big play players, but also possession key catch players. So I thought they could come back, but I didn't think it was going to happen in the second damn quarter and they was going to go in with a lead. That <laughs> right. was crazy. So I got to got to give it up, man. I mean, now I really want to see what they could do against the Niners, honestly. I think um, either either AFC team, I think, actually pre- presents a good matchup. I definitely think it's going to be the Niners. Um, and then the Niners got to win it because there ain't no way I'm trying to see man, no Chiefs. You're telling, you're telling the punchline too early, man. We haven't gotten to that part of the conversation. I get it, but I'm damn sure, bro. It's out. I do not. Man, a Chief Super Bowl, bro, them fools will be insufferable. Oh, man. <laughs> man. But, yeah, so um, – and then – so that's the – that was the games from last week. Um, <clears throat> this week, what do you guys thought? Start with the AFC. Go ahead, B. You want to start? Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, Titans and Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City is favored by seven and a half. Um, here's, here's what I'm going to say. So the Titans have found a, a game plan that works really well for them. And if they can execute that same game plan, keep it low, keep it, hit the, hit the holes, um, rush Derrick Henry 30 times, make him efficient, make the game slow down, 
use the defense to slow things down. I think they have a chance. Um, and they also happen to be going against a defense that is not nearly as good as the Patriots, which was one of the best defenses in the NFL, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, which was also a very solid defense this year. The Kansas City has had solid periods of time for their defense and some other not-so-solid periods of time. They've got a, a playoff-quality defense, but I don't think anybody is thinking that that the Kansas City de- defense is what, what is going to stop uh, Derrick Henry. Now, all of that said... When you're playing a game where you need 200 yards of rushing, um, in order to be successful, you need your defense to be able to stop the other team's offense. And what you have on the other side is Patrick Mahomes and an offense, as we saw last week, that can score real quick on anyone whenever necessary. Um, And while I think if I saw an upset from Tennessee and that was the game plan, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be overwhelmed, overwhelmingly surprised. I'd probably be a little bit surprised, but I just don't think um, the defense has what it takes to stop Mahomes in that offense. So I'm going to take Kansas City um, and uh, and say that I think Kansas City is going to win just off of Mahomes. Um, he's just special, Jason. Uh, B, I got to say I agree with you. And just to let you know, that spread has now went up to minus 11 and a half for Kansas City. Um, I agree with the way the spread is going up. I just think that um, t- they're going to make Tannehill try to make some plays, which she hasn't had to do the last two games. Um, it's very hard, I believe, to go to Baltimore. I mean, go to New England and go to Baltimore and then go to KC. Uh, to try to pull off victories, man, that, that's that's asking a lot. Not saying it can't be done, but that's asking a lot, especially it's going to be 23-degree weather in Kansas City. Um, I just think KC, after that slow start against Houston, I just think they're going to be more alert. They're going to be ready. Um, they blew it last year in the uh, AFC title game. They should have actually went to Super Bowl if D4 didn't get off sides, and that played Brady through an interception, and that and Kansas City would have took knees and would have uh, won the game, but – uh, Brady had another chance, and we all know what happened after that. They ended up going to the Super Bowl and winning it. So I think Casey's going to be prepared for this game. They're going to be ready, and I think Mahomes can cover up any deficiencies that the defense might have early on in stopping Henry. I don't think he'll have the game that he's had the last couple of weeks, and uh, it, which is going to cause Tennessee to pass, and I think that's going to play into Kansas, City hands, Kansas City's hands, and they'll uh, win the game, um, I would say, at least by seven points. KC did lose to this Tennessee team during the year. Both these matchups, yep. AFC and NFC Championship, are rematches. Uh, Tennessee yep. did lose this game. I mean, did win this game. Excuse me. Uh, they blocked. Right. A, they blocked a field goal at the end. It was a long field goal, but they still blocked it, and they they just played them boys tight the whole game. So yeah, um, that that was Mahomes' first game back after injury. Yeah, yep. I, I knew they, they were something there. So so we'll see what happens. So that's your AFC and then NFC. Uh, your guys' division. What what do you guys think for that one? Uh, the problems that Green Bay had against San Francisco during the first game, they, they aren't solvable. Um, those blocking issues, the scheme issues, the personnel issues. When I look at Green Bay, I don't look at them as, like I said the last week, I don't think of them as a good team. It's just Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's it. Uh, you shut down Devontae Adams, and then you pretty much can just tee off on, uh, shut down Devontae Adams and then, you know, bottle up Aaron Jones. And you pretty much shut down the Green Bay Packers. Um, LaFleur is not a better coach than Kyle Shanahan. LaFleur is not a good adjustments guy. Once you get on the roll with him, he can't stop it. 
he just has to hope that Aaron Rodgers can bail him out and get him a victory. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Lane Kiffin. He's just not a good adjustments guy. So Kyle Shanahan's a way better coach than him. Uh, the personnel for the 49ers to me is just better. Uh, the quarterback position, of course, is better with Aaron Rodgers, but he, he's at this point in his career. I don't think he's enough. Um, besides the fact that he's lost, you know, five straight games in the playoffs against people he lost against teams he's lost to in the regular season. Kyle Shanahan last when he was with Atlanta beat Aaron Rodgers, you know, in an FC title game. So he knows how to play Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he knows a uh, defensive guy, Mike Pettin, from his days in Cleveland and going against him. So I think it's pretty much a coaching and personnel mismatch. And the, just the the problems that Green Bay had that first game, they're going to resurface again. Now, I don't think it's going to be a 37-8 to game, but I do expect the 49ers to win comfortably uh, and go to the Super Bowl. What about you, B? So I agree with you that it is a coaching mismatch. I agree with you that it is a personnel mismatch. I, I think that the 49ers um, are on the better side of both of those those different questions. Um, I think that if you asked me individually, went down a list and said, you know, is the 49ers better here? The, uh, the, the Green Bay Packers are, are over here. The overwhelming majority of the, the better matchups would be for the 49ers. Um, and I'm going to pick Green Bay. <laughs> um, and and the, the reason I'm going to pick Green Bay is I, I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to do something that's unexpected. Um, there's there's no rational reason there's no, for this pick. Um, it's not because I hate the 49ers because I'm, I will tell you, I think they're very good. I just did, as a matter of fact. Um, but I think there's something about what Aaron Rodgers is trying to do this year. And I think that he's going to find a way to put the team on their on, on his back and and get over this uh, very, very large hump. Um, and I think that next week and the week after, we're going to be hearing about um, how nobody thought him and the coach would even be able to get him past, uh, get him on the playoffs, and that they didn't like each other and they didn't trust each other. Um, and I think that, that we're just going to see something special, and, and, and Green Bay is going to figure out a way to get there. Now, if it goes exactly the way Jason said, um, not only will I be wrong, but I won't be surprised at all. Um, I do think the 49ers have a better team, uh, and sometimes the better team loses. Uh, look at Kansas City last year to New England. Um, and in this instance, I'm just I'm taking Green Bay. I don't think it was something a little bit to talk it? about. Yeah, I don't think the Niners are yeah, the, this, the calls that the Patriots do. The referees are on their payroll. Yes, I'm a Raider fan. Yes, I believe in the conspiracy. I, but I was gonna say, okay. I do think um I mean they, <laughs> they do benefit from crazy calls. Anyway, I think that uh the Niners getting back at being a full strength though is that doesn't bode well either. Because the line was looking mad ferocious. And then you add Quan back, you add D Ford back. Ooh. That's that's tough. Yeah, that was the yeah, the, the guys came back that started out 7-0 and averaged only 11 points a game. And when guys got uh, the deep, off of the opposing teams only averaged 11 points a game, then when guys got hurt, the 49ers' uh, defense was giving up 26 points a game. And a little bit more was acts of Jimmy Garoppolo. But now that the whole band is back together, they can pretty much go back to what they were doing at the beginning of the season. But this game actually reminds me of when um, the playoff game that Colin Kaepernick played uh, against Green Bay. And um, the 49ers had played – <laughs> them in week one 
and uh, Alex Smith was a quarterback in, in that game. And the 49ers ended up winning 31-17, but the game wasn't really that close. Uh, Green Bay got a cheap touchdown later. And in that game, you can see that the 49ers had a better O-line, D-line, linebacker, secondary. Everything was better except at the quarterback position. And so when Colin Kaepernick played in that game and people were picking Green Bay, and, and you know, you hear this analysis, one reason I listen to ESPN, they were people were supposed to do, supposedly doing their analysis and they asked, you know, like Ron Jaworski, why are you picking Green Bay? Oh, because they got Aaron Rodgers. Well, that to me is not a damn analysis. I'm going to need more than that as to why you're picking a team to win. And we all know what happened. They got blew out. Colin Kaepernick ran for like 185 yards and everything. And then the personnel was still the same. Same offensive line, same defense line, secondary, everything. Everything was better than Green Bay, but people were picking because of Aaron Rodgers. And you're going to kind of kind of need know, more you than that. You, that's a very blank. That's a big blanket statement, though. But the same exact analysis or whatever you want to uh, herald it as has been used for s- several seasons um, for New England when they didn't have receiving cores, they didn't have the defense that they have this year. And simply put, um, a lot of people pick. Uh, New England and understand that there's a there's a, the ability to pick New England because they have Tom Brady. Um, and the reality of it is, is when you have one of those players and there's not many of them um, and Garoppolo is certainly not one of them yet. Um, but uh, when you have somebody like a, a, a Mahomes, um, you're picking because you have confidence in Mahomes to do enough to overcome the defense. Um, you're picking uh, Rodgers because he is over enough to overcome the situation. You're picking, um, you know, Drew Brees in those types of situations, right? These those types of, of, of players sometimes play so much. Worse. I mean, when Peyton won in Indy, um, that defense was not outstanding. They had Dwight Freeney, who was an, an, a, a decent line, but their secondary was garbage. Um, and you just knew that Peyton was going to do what it took to win. I, I just, that's just a feeling. Um, and, but going back to what you said, the, the San Francisco 49ers are healthy. Um, they're a better team. They've got absolutely no reason whatsoever to lose. Um, and and hopefully they figure it out. I do think that, like what you said, I think there's two outcomes. A, a relatively close um, Green Bay win. Like, I don't think there's any chance that Green Bay is going to blow doors off the 49ers, not, not even a little bit. Um, or a pretty comfortable 49ers victory uh, with, you know, by – by a relatively large margin, but we'll see. One thing I will be fun to watch. Yeah, man, for sure. One thing kind of to your, everything you just mentioned, you talked about Brady, you talked about Peyton, all those guys had damn near hall of fame coaches. I don't know that LaFleur is there yet. So you're kind of tying in the quarterback. I don't Cause if you just put Brady like with just anybody, I don't know if Brady's anybody. I mean, Brady's nice, but I don't know if he's Brady without Belichick and the adjustments that he makes. Definitely not. So I wonder about not. that, too. I've always felt like that. Like a well, lot of I think we're going to find out next year. We'll be talking about that in the offseason. But I think we're going to find out next year if those two um, are as good without each other. Uh, Belichick certainly had some period, yes. a period of time over with, with the Cleveland Browns where he didn't look very good. Um, mm, Brady's very never had that. Yeah. Um, I think they need each other. Uh, yeah. I think they made each other Hall of Fame coach, uh, coach and player. Um, and uh, I don't think Sean Payton is a uh, – um, a Hall of Fame coach, at least not yet. Maybe maybe Jason feels otherwise. Um, and he's made Drew Brees look pretty good. He's he's established uh, so, himself more than Lafleur. I'll say that. So to that point, I think yeah, when you no, mentioned everyone you no, mentioned, he's in his first season, right? Yeah, Who? yeah. Which I'll LaFleur. give him that. But everybody you LaFleur, mentioned is yeah. uh, a yeah. tandem. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what Brady does. I got to be real. I do not want Brady on the Raiders. 
But yeah, Be- Belichick went three and zero with Garoppolo and eleven five with Matt Castle. He can the guy can coach without without Tom Brady. Number two, number two, an analysis is not saying I'm taking the team because of Green Bay. I mean, because they got Aaron Rodgers. The analysis is I need to know what type of scheme some team run against another team. I need to know what personnel can is better than other teams' personnel. That's an analysis. Saying that you have just have a quarterback. Okay, that's just who you're going to win the game, but that's not telling you why. That's not telling you anything in regards of the game, especially if you're putting money on the game. You're going to need more than just Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Well, wait a minute. I don't think anybody on the ESPN payroll is, uh, at least not these days. They they don't do that anymore. um, Is 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 over there giving advice? Giving yeah, giving advice. Right. So so anyways, I, I I don't know that that's the intent. Um, it's 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 more for entertainment purposes and true. Anyways, Darren Robles, that that, but all right. So that's NFL college. Um, the college championship last night. I watched most of it. Um, I think I watched. Yeah, I watched damn near all of it. But exciting game. LSU pulls it out. Um, Burrow showed that he's that guy. Uh, one of the greatest. I think the greatest. Uh, career by a college quarterback. So, what do you guys think on, on that game? Did you guys both watch? Absolutely. And yes. Um, so it was, it's kind of interesting. I, I've had several conversations meant to bring this up last week when we were talking, but we, you know, we had, we spent plenty of time on, on the NFL stuff. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow is a, is a special kind of quarterback. He's having a very special season. So many people forget where he started, which was at Ohio state where he was barely being able to play. Um, you know, when he was seven for 11, his sophomore year and 22 for 28 on these seasons, um, his freshman and sophomore year uh, after redshirting his first freshman year, right? So, you know, he's a fifth-year senior in a second school, um, but he's having an outstanding and has had an outstanding season. Uh, he deserved the Heisman. And I, w- I found myself having these weird conversations where where, where people were just doubting uh, Burroughs' credentials and saying, oh, you know, um, Clemson quarterback and, and uh, is, is you know, he's the greatest college quarterback ever. And there's no way that he's going to win. And I'm saying, hold on, you, you all, these people honestly believed that that LSU, after the shellacking they put on um, Oklahoma, had no chance against Clemson. It was insanity. So I was more than happy to take all the wagers. Um, I will be eating very well at lunch for a very long time. As a result, um, and and I told them two things, and I said, I said LSU is going to win this game, and I don't think it's really going to be much of a competition. Um, I think it's going to be comfortable, and I said Joe Burrow is going to have an outstanding game and prove that he is the best quarterback in college football right now, and just and why he deserves to be the pick. Now, some of the analysis behind that is um, his accuracy numbers are off the chart. 84% of his passes are on target. Not, that's not caught. On target. Um, that is remarkable for a college quarterback to have that kind of accuracy. His long ball accuracy, accuracy is in the high 70%. Um, it, it, is, it is outstanding to for whatever the reasons. That's not even touting the fact that he's got some pretty darn good wide receivers. Um, but he's able to hit them with an amazing amount of accuracy. Um, and, and, and so I, I had a lot of confidence that, that Joe Burrow was going to be able to use those, um, those skill sets and, and have the kind of game that he did. Now, some things that you, I didn't expect, um, Moss, the younger Moss 
having two touchdowns when he's had two other touchdowns for the entire season. And he has, uh, he has two and they just found a mismatch and, and exploited it early and often. Um, you know, uh, ATN on the Clemson side had a, a very solid game, but ultimately just not enough to overcome, um, the more talented across the board, uh, LSU team. And, 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 uh, I'm really glad that it worked out that way. It was a great game to watch. It was very interesting. I had to watch it on my, my, my cell phone, um, because I was, uh, had some parental duties to take care of. Um, but, uh, but it, it made it all the more interesting and, and, and I was, it was a fun game to watch. Jason, what do you, what were your thoughts? Uh, see, the main reason I wanted to watch this game, um, I've seen LSU play. Um, I've always had jokes for years with LSU fans, uh, those of you who listen, that LSU can recruit every position except quarterback. Um, I said if they've had a <laughs> quarterback. True. Yeah, if they had a quarterback, they would have about four or five national titles, not Alabama, because they can compete physically and personnel-wise with Alabama and all these other schools, but they just never had a quarterback. Now they finally got one. Didn't surprise me that for they one won. Year. But, right. But um, – I watched this game mainly, to be honest, for Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people were jocking Trevor Lawrence last year for what he did against Alabama. And I heard, you know, all these ridiculous reports. He needs to sit out, you know, the next year, next couple years and wait for the NFL and blah, 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 because, you know, he doesn't need college football. And I just that's why I always say just watch the games when he played against Alabama last year. He had all day to throw. He had absolutely no pressure all game. The offensive line handled Alabama's defensive line. He had all day to make throws. He made the throws that he was supposed to make. Congratulations for him. But he was under no pressure, under no duress all game. I wanted to see him. It looked like Matt Leinart at USC. It's like I don't remember ever seeing Matt Leinart's jersey even you know, have any grass stains on it, maybe except against Texas, but that was it. Um, I wanted to see him under pressure. How would he do under duress when the game isn't – when the offensive line – you know, can't block that well or whatever. And I finally saw that with LSU. And what did Trevor Lawrence do? He was rolling out, throwing passes into the dirt that were bouncing or grass that were bouncing or whatever, turf. Uh, he, he didn't look comfortable. He was sailing throws. The throws were too low. That's what I wanted to see because essentially that's what the NFL is about. You don't have all that comfort and time in the NFL to just sit back and pinpoint, you know, all your throws all game. You know, you're not playing against East Texas State. You know what I'm saying? You're playing against NFL teams. So Trevor Lawrence had some, you know, some competition to see uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, play against guys who are going to be playing on Sundays on defense in the NFL. And it didn't go so well. You know, he was under duress, bouncing throws, uh, you know, sailing throws, inaccurate throws. Whereas in the last year's championship game against Alabama, he had all day to throw. And that's what quarterbacking is about in the NFL, being under duress yeah. or when situations aren't perfect. Can you still make plays? And it didn't work out for him. So that's the main reason why I want to watch. And because of that and his performance, I don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock when he comes out. But everybody's not going to say or act like he's the best thing since sliced bread. He doesn't need college. He needs to sit out. Yeah. He definitely needs to play more uh, another year of, uh, of college football. On the flip side, I know LSU personnel is good. That didn't surprise me. Uh, Joe Burrow played well with the personnel that he has. But like I've always said, I, I'll be I'll be hard pressed to draft a guy like that because I think the personnel around them is just so much better than the defenses that they're playing against that it can make you look better than what they are. I like Joe Burrow, but, I mean, he was a two-star recruit for a reason. If I was the Bengals, I wouldn't draft him. If I was him, I wouldn't want to go to the Bengals. And the reason why is going from LSU to the Bengals is like going to purgatory. You're not going to have 
anything, no support that you have at LSU. LSU tries to do anything to win football games. Yeah. Cincinnati doesn't. The owner makes picks. <laughs> so, I mean, and he's cheap. He makes picks and he's cheap. And you're just not going to get that type of support that I think he yeah. needs because he's not a generational trans, you know, transformational quarterback. He's not an Andrew Luck. I think he can be successful in the right system with the yep. right coach, with the right players. But Cincinnati does not have that right now. So if they're looking for him to be their savior, they're going to be sadly disappointed. I mean, this guy is not the LeBron of football. I mean, he's not going to, you know, uplift that franchise. Now, I get it. He's from Ohio and he says publicly he wants to go there. But, um, you know, I just don't think that's a good situation for him. But, you know, he's going to get paid. He's probably going to end up going there. And I wish him the best. But um, I think that can probably, you know, his career won't start off so well if he starts off at Cincinnati. Personally, that's what I believe. But congratulations to him. He had an outstanding season. Uh, That passing game coordinator that LSU brought this year, he actually took a job with the Carolina Panthers now. So he'll be the offensive coordinator. So he's gone from LSU. So LSU is losing their passing game coordinator and their uh, and their quarterback. So they'll still have a lot of talent there. Don't know who their quarterback is going to be, but. You know, I give congratulations to Joe Burrow. He seems like a, a cool person. Yeah. Um, you know, wish him well, but I'm not sure how he'll do as an NFL prospect, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he'll do I just fine. I'm not saying he's going to be the next uh, Andrew Luck, but those accuracy numbers, um, and he has played in, in high-pressure situations, are, uh, are very, very impressive. Um, he only threw six picks uh, this whole entire season with 60 touchdowns, um, which is a college football record. Um those are numbers that you can you can build off of. I agree uh, that you know Cincinnati is not the ideal place to 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 go, but uh, the reality of it is that uh, you have to um, play with what you get. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, good teams don't get to draft quarterbacks at the top of uh, right. at the top of drafts. So you know, no matter where they're going, uh, where he ends up going, uh, it's going to be a situation that's not going to be ideal. Uh, and 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 I don't know that there's a, a great situation, but I think I think Joe Burrow can be a solid uh, quarterback, a Matthew Stafford, right? Good numbers, um, good stats. Maybe not successful from a team standpoint because he got drafted to the wrong situation, but but a good talent. Yeah, that's that's tough. Word up. All right, so that's um that's our show for today. We went over the NFL, uh, went over the college championship, and then now is our last segment, the minute to win it. Um, Whoever wants to start, man, go for it. Go ahead, B. You're good. Um, all right, so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick on on a different sport for a moment. So in the last couple of days, uh, Major League Baseball has handed down um, some of the strongest penalties that they've ever handed down for uh, kind of during you know during the act. They caught the Houston Astros at first cheating, um, and after a long, 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 prolonged conversation and uh, investigation, they decided to suspend both the GM and the coach for one full season. That's admirable. Congratulations to them for doing that. What is more admirable is the owner of the team waiting less than four hours to then say they're out, they're fired, get out, um, and and then you had uh, another instance the next very next day where the next team's coach was fired um, as a result of the cheating scandal. It's admirable when owners do something that's maybe not in their best interest. It's hard 
to fire a coach who has won you um, a World Series um, and two of them in two days is is pretty miraculous. Uh, so my hats go off to the owners of those two teams for for at least trying to do the right thing. Uh, I know that they will not be giving back any of those rings. Um, there are plenty of Dodger fans in Los Angeles who are saying that they should have to forfeit um, the World Series now that they it was uh, the Houston Astros who beat them um, have been proven to have cheated. But uh, that's not going to happen. So um, at least at least it's nice to see a, a sports uh, a sport kind of try and take care of cheating, um, unlike what happens in the NFL, um, which does so little. Um, and the NFL has had a yet another awful PR week. Um, didn't hurt the ratings, but an awful PR week. And uh, in, 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 in baseball on the flip side has had a pretty decent one. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Cool. Yeah, um, I want to talk. I heard today on TV that um, you know, of course, you know, NFL ratings are up or whatever; they're making money. But the NBA ratings are down nineteen percent. Uh, they're down nineteen percent again this year. They were down last year, down this year, especially in the Eastern Conference since LeBron and uh, Kawhi left. The ratings are just down, and um, they said there were. It's just, it's just. I guess not a good year so far for the NBA. But also, I was just thinking. You know, with the NFL ratings being up or whatever, I was thinking, why Why is that? Why is the NBA ratings are down, NFL ratings are down, or NFL ratings are up or whatever, people are interested. And I was thinking, it's the, the storylines of the NFL, I think, are better. And I think that keeps people interested. And also, I, I think that the NFL embraces college football, whereas the NBA doesn't really embrace college basketball. And I think that's a key factor because a lot of people are wondering now, where does, you know, Burroughs go? Where does Tua go? And all this other type of stuff. It's like a, a good marriage between college football and the NFL. And I just wish, you know, the NBA and basketball is my favorite sport. So I just wish the NBA had something similar uh, with college basketball because it just seems like that people just relate more to the NFL. You know, it gets, you got these guys that came from small colleges, you know, like Drew Brees and, and Ben Roethlisberger and stuff like that. The NFL seems like people can relate to it. Half the league is undrafted. And it's, it's like just better stories. These guys overcoming being told no. And, and you know, people just like these storylines. And just think about this year. Lamar Jackson was the runaway MVP. I mean, he hasn't gotten yet, but I'm sure he will. He's the runaway MVP of this league. This guy couldn't complete 60% of his passes in college. But yet he's going to definitely win the MVP and deservedly so. You know, the 49ers going 13-3, and three, you know, a game away from the Super Bowl. If I would have told anybody that in September, they would have thought I was I was thought I was crazy. You know, and there's going to be another San Francisco next year. Somebody else is going to go 13 and three and 14 and two and have a great season. And the thing that's still shocking to me, Ryan Tannehill is one game away from the Super Bowl. That still doesn't even sound right. Um, you know, it's just I think the storylines and I think the marriage between the college and an NFL actually helps the NFL. And I, ultimately, I just wish the NBA had something like that with college basketball to where people would be interested in these college basketball players. Because a person like myself, even though basketball is my favorite sport, I can't watch college basketball. It's unwatchable. I don't know who these guys are until the draft, and I don't even watch the draft anymore. So I really don't know about them until they're in the league. But I just wish the NBA had something like that that the NFL has with college. That's all. Yeah, good points. I agree with a lot of that for both of you guys. So um, for me, mine is quick. Just shots out to uh, my, uh, shoot, my favorite player. He's retired again now, but Marshawn Lynch, man. 
Um, probably the only player I'm going to get their jersey who didn't retire with the, with my team. But um, Marshawn, after the game, you know, they interviewed him. And Marshawn's, uh, you got to love Marshawn interviews because he's going to do what he do. And he basically, you know, they asked him how it was to be back and this and that. He's like, it's cool. But he just basically gave advice to young players. And he told him, um, I love how he called him. He said a lot, like, called him African. But he was just like, if I could do anything, and this is what he said too, if I could do anything, talk to my young Sahabs, which is some, I love the whole bass slang of it. But just basically said, I would tell them to to get get their chicken right, keep your mentals right, and keep your body right so that when you retire, you can do what you do. So basically get your money right, have your head right, and take care of yourself so that when you retire and you're on the other side of the football, uh, you can do what you do. And I thought that was, uh, that, was, that was a great game. So for everybody, really, you know, take care of your mind, take care of your body, take care of your bread, and it'll take you far. So I respect that for Marshawn, man. Good dude. Um, that's all I had. Shouts out to, the, to Marshawn one last time. Appreciate you both, man. We up out of here. Um, that's January 14th, 2020. And that's the Sports Counterpoints podcast. Holla.